This is an MPB Think Radio podcast. To hear previous shows, visit mpbonline.org or download the MPB Public Radio app to listen on your iPhone or Android phone on demand. Okie dokie, folks. Welcome back. Rushing, and I want to chat with you about what's going on in your garden. I know it's the middle of January. I know we've had some cold weather. Not hard, hard, hard cold, but cold enough. And we've got some cold weather ahead of us. A lot of people are taking advantage of this warm weather to enjoy what they've got, but it's making them feel like they can do stuff that you really ought not to do. So we're still a month or so away from planting what I call cool season vegetables like potatoes and English peas and broccoli and cauliflower and lettuces. You know, let's wait till the latter part of February, even into March, when the risk of really hard freezes pass, but still cool enough weather to get a harvest. I always wait till April to set out summer stuff like tomatoes and zinnias and uh, basil and things like that after the soil has warmed. So we got plenty of time to enjoy a, a late winter spring garden and plenty of time to have two back-to-back summer gardens if you feel like it. So don't feel like you're in a rush. A lot of people are really concerned right now about weeds and uh, Java. You know, this time of year, most of us just don't even think about things like stickers and clover and things like that. But, you know, there's, there's all those little things that bother people in March and April, first part of May, they're out there right now. They're just real small. Yeah, so I think I, you uh, you talked about it last last show where now you would, in, in the middle of winter, if you see green patches in your yard, that yeah. is what that's what's out there. <laughs> yeah. And you know, there's two two schools of thought. One is just ignore and there's three schools. Some some people don't even think about it. They just mow what grows. It's not a big deal. And actually that's a good approach because those little wildflowers are easy to mow. You know, you can mow them, have a nice looking lawn and still have a few little flowers out there. In other words, they don't get knee high like roadside wildflowers. And they're just great for butterflies and pollinators and bees. Every warm day in Mississippi in the middle of the winter, you'll find bees and little butterflies out there looking for something to eat. So those of you who want to control weeds, this is the time to do it, not when they become a problem in March or April. But those of you who really like pollinators and stuff, just mow what grows. It's okay. So anyway, Java, how's the stuff on top of your, your, your combination garden and uh, and aquarium doing? You started planting some stuff to juice last week. Yeah, we juiced all the, all the wheat grass and uh it was some other plant uh crystal put up there i can't remember um but we we added another another fish to the aquarium and we're probably going to put some stuff out um this week to uh to grow and what's so amazing about it felder um it 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 only takes uh, like a day or two and then you get to see the sprouts and then you know that gets the kids all excited because we put the seeds in there and it doesn't take any time to show so we'll probably put some more wheatgrass out and uh and and have some more to juice in about a week week and a half yeah well that's nice part about uh, things like that micro even microgreens you know you can take seeds of lettuce and things like that and plant and mix in with the stuff and uh, and they still sprout real real fast. But uh, what you might want, if you can, divide it up into two or maybe three separate little gardens on top, so you could plant one, and then a week or so later plant another, and a week or so later plant another. Then when you start harvesting the first one, you already got something coming along, and then you could replant the first one. In other words, break it up into two or three different gardens to have succession plan. That way you'll always have something 
come along, and, and, the, and the kids can always feel like they can sprinkle stuff out every couple of three weeks. I like that because, it, it, it uh, like you say, it keeps it going because now it's bare because we're going to do, you know, put the, uh, the seats in there this weekend. But if we do it the way you said it, we could keep it keep a cycle going. Yeah, just give them a little fork or spoon and have them work the dirt up and sprinkle the seeds and just do part of it at a time. You know, maybe even get get one get get, get your get you know get the the oldest to make a little stick or something to put in between to sort of set them apart like like different gardens. Well, like uh, yeah, to to label it. I oh you you yeah. will you will get the pictures, Felder. <laughs> Got you, man. All right. Well, listen. Uh, let's slide up to uh, Yazoo and talk to Belle. She's been hanging on for a long time. Hey, Belle. Thank you for calling this morning. Hey, thank you. Um, I have noticed that um, the the pecans just have not fallen until about now. They've stayed up in the trees uh, all season and into the winter. And um, I know here, I I don't think we had below 32 at night until this past week. And uh, I just wonder what's going on. I've never seen anything like it. A lot of a lot of us have, you know, Bill. When I was a kid, you know, we're talking about a long time ago. I, I'm an old guy, but uh, I, when I was a kid, we used to walk on the ice on the bio up in Indianola. You know, it froze that hard. But we we really have not had a hard hard winter except for last year. You know, in February it got really cold for a long time. But in general, we haven't had a winter. Usually, our first frost in central Mississippi is going to be the second week or so in November. And uh, so anyway. Um, I'm not going to say uh, climate change, but there it is, you know, it, and things are changing. You know, I'm in England part of the year, and it's changed dramatically in just the past few years. So we know that there's some changes going on, but and our, our plants, unfortunately, can't adapt quite as quickly. It might also just be the weather on you because it might have just been the luck of the draw this year because we had a real cold spell in the winter. We had a long uh, kind of a moist summer, and it might just be the, the weather this year on your pecans. So we just have to wait and see. Okay, thank you. Okay, well, good luck. I'm sharing your concerns. What can you do about it except one foot and one seed in front of the other? All righty, Java. What's up with you, man? You staying busy? Yeah, I'm staying busy, man. You know, we all these locally produced shows that we have here at MPB. It always is something something to do. But I did have a question, and I thought about it just driving in this morning because I thought I was, uh, you know kind of naughty we're still having my christmas tree up last weekend we just took it down uh last uh, uh saturday last weekend but driving in i saw a i believe a douglas fir um christmas tree out on on the curbside at a, at a you know another person's house driving in and i said man they had theirs up even longer than i had mine up how long yeah. can those christmas trees last uh in the inside Oh, you talking about the ones that are cut like you buy at a store? Yeah, like you know, you get at the at the tree farm. Yeah, they you know they can they they dry kind of green. It'll take them a long. Matter of fact, you can cut branches off. Uh, sometimes when you when you get one, you have to cut the lower branch off to fit it in the stand. You can put those out there, and they'll still green till 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 summertime. But that you know that, that doesn't mean they're fresh. Matter of fact, if you want to really singe your eyebrows. Don't do this in front of the kids. Start setting fire to one of those things. It'll burn up before you, before you can jump. It burns up. So anyway, even though it's dry, uh, it can still still stay green. Plus, a lot of Christmas trees, 
Christmas tree farms actually spray them, you know, to uh, to for, for, uh, with a with a, a green dye. Uh, you know, hate to hate to say that, but look at the trunk on them. You'll see there's dye on the trunk too. Oh, okay, okay. Well, yeah, I saw that. I saw that this morning um, out on on the curbside, and I was like, wow, they kept that tree around but like you said it, it's not as fresh as it was back in i guess november december but it but it'll stay green for a mighty long time yeah well that's one of the reasons why the christmas tree growers they spray the trees a lot of these are grown up north and even the ones down here they're cut sometimes weeks before you know they're used and so they just you know they just sort of fake it up a little bit but uh anyway you know i leave my holiday ornaments up all years what we call out of season holiday lighting and all my christmas i, I leave stuff up year round because that's just the way i am you know every day is a birthday to me <laughs> well have you um the last the last time you sent me a picture um of your mug that we posted with the podcast uh y'all have fresh snow out there in uh in 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 england is it yep. what's, what's going on now Oh, it's just like Mississippi. It's, it's, you know, it gets down in the 30s, up in the 40s, you know, and the sun's out right now, but it still, you know, it still gets cool. You know, England has very much the same kind of winter as Mississippi. Rarely gets down into the teens. When it does, it doesn't stay there long. The difference is when it gets cool here in the fall, it stays cool. We don't have 60-degree days in the middle of the winter like you do in Mississippi. And that's what's causing a lot of our plants to have trouble. They got the cold that they need to get through wintertime. You know, plants tell time by the amount of cold they get, and if the plants get a lot of cold, like below below 40 for a certain number of days, first warm day becomes long, they're going to bloom. So we're seeing all around the state, we're seeing Japanese magnolias blooming, you know, which is, they're always early, but it's a, a good month early now. So uh, the, that, that cold spell we had, uh, and the, the warm weather is pooling plants. Now, Fred, I know you like we just were saying we're over. You're overseas, but you'll be back in a couple of weeks, and you got something special coming up at Hutto's, right? Oh yeah, yeah. We do a, a home fruit seminar. You know, I answer a lot of questions about about fruit plant. I worked with commercial growers for a long time. I mean, my family had the oldest winery in the state since Prohibition. We we planted muscadine vines back in the 1970s. But I was raised in a fruit orchard, I studied fruit science at Mississippi State and all like that. But a lot of people want to grow things in their yard that produce fruit without realizing you can't just set them out there and do it. Commercial growers, they prune, sometimes, you know, they fertilize, they have to choose just the right varieties because not all apples are going to do well. Some apples do in Tennessee that won't do on the coast. Some will do on the coast, but they'll freeze in Tennessee. So the type of fruit, the varieties of fruits, and a pruning it's not mysterious but it is they are kind of picky anyway so i give a free seminar every year at hutto's uh which is the garden center jackson that specializes in in um, dependable types of fruit from mississippi i think that's like the might be the 19th of february it's a good month away yeah you do have to be particular with the types of fruits because if you go to go into any grocery store and my son he loves apples gala are his favorite but you also have the fiji you got the pink ladies you got the red delicious like so you yeah. do have to know what you're growing because i don't know you know pink ladies may not grow down here like like galas or something well, and again, it depends. They, they they tell time by the amount of cold they get, and certain fruits need a certain amount of cold temperatures to bloom. Like cherries will never produce in central South Mississippi because they need a long winter. Figs, on the other hand, 
or, or a lot of peaches are going to bloom too early and freeze up north. So anyway, it's not that complicated, but we can't grow everything all over the world in the same place. So I'm thinking if you stick with a fig tree and some blueberries and a muscadine vine, then we'll start adding other stuff. Yeah, because a, mus- a muscadine vine produces great muscadine wine. Felder, let's take our let's take our first break uh, for the hour, man. Okay, you want to give the phone numbers? Yeah, you one. Want me to do that. Y- you do it, Felder. Go ahead. You're so good at it, man. <laughs> yeah, one eight seven seven MPB ring. MPB stands for Mississippi Public Broadcasting. You can figure out what ring means yourself. But one eight seven seven MPB ring. We got the lines open. You want to give us a call? I'm Horticulture Felder Rushing, and we will chat with you this 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 sort of midwinterish day about what you can do or not do in your garden. Come on, call us up and brag about what's going on in your yard. Let's have some fun like a like a garden party should be. We'll be right back with more right here on MPB right after this. I'm Professor Richard Gershon from the University of Mississippi School of Law, host of In Legal Terms. Find In Legal Terms on any podcasting platform on your smart device or on our website, inlegalterms.mpbonline.org. Great song, Java. Thank you for that. Thank you, thank you, thank you. Yeah, I had to put that out there, man. Somebody, uh, my aunt actually sent me that this morning uh, in a text message, and I was like, man, that's the song Felder uh, we play on the show. So I had to, I had to run it back, as they say. <laughs> yeah, well, you know, and I, I'm not trying to dish, dish your aunt or anything like that, but if I've heard of it before, she's way behind the time because I'm a <laughs> behind that kind of stuff. <laughs> It's a good song. It's a, it's a good song. She sent it to me, um, you know, cause, because of the message. She was like, have a good day. And, you know, I heard this song. I was like, oh, thank you, thank you, thank you. <laughs> I, hope, I hope she likes the one I chose today. It's another cheesy tune. You know, this time of year, there's not a lot of seasonal tunes. There's not a lot going on. There's not a lot of holidays right now. So uh, I found a, just another little happy song that I wanted to, to share because that's that's what we're trying to do is just keep – bolstering everybody's spirits so that's what gardening is about it's planting it's harvesting but it's also a lot of hope and it's a lot of sharing and that's what we're trying to do here on the on uh, the gestalt gardeners get people to, to open up ask questions if i don't know something i'm okay with that i don't mind learning if i say something is wrong i don't mind learning stuff so it's not that big a deal but anyway give us a call and let's know what's going on in your garden what you might be you know don't be embarrassed or anything like that because if it can go wrong in a garden, it has gone wrong in mine. So anyway, toll-free, mpb ring If you want to give us a call and talk about gardening, we are wide open, and I'm trying my best not to be a, too arrogant or a know-it-all. I've just, you know, when you get to, to the point where you have white hair growing up your ears, you feel like you can just speak your mind, and sometimes I do that job. Now, Felder, yeah. I know, I know we, you know, like you said, we're in mid, mid January, and um, a lot of people have pulled in their 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 plants, and a lot of people are growing their their house plants. Um, I wish I could say the name of this this uh, this plant. Uh, it's a, it's a f- snake plant, but is it Dracaena trifysica? 
Trifasciata. There we go, Trifasciata. <laughs> and you know, and I'm and I'm really honked off about this. I'm really honked off about it. But I'll tell you why. What's what your comment about it? It's a great plant. Well, yeah, I'm just I was uh, asking about the I guess the best position for these uh, house plants like Trifasciata, Aloe Vera. Do they necessarily have to be near your open window or? Can they just hang around? Even even like the uh, what's it, ficus elastica, the rubber plant. Can they just hang out in the house, or do you need to kind of put them by the window for them to make it over the um, the winter? You know, it, it's a good question. And Java, I've been growing these tropical plants that they won't live outside; they'll freeze outside. But I've been growing them in pots uh, literally over half a century. I mean, the first one I got, I was ten years old. But I, I've been growing these things. For, I have a rubber tree that's over 40 years old. I've got a, uh, no, it's almost 50 years old. I've got a weeping fig that's over 40 years old. And I've got one of those plants you just mentioned that uh, I got in 1974. But the, the thing is, most of them are jungle plants, rubber trees and things like that. They, they make great big trees. They're the, they're the tall plants in the jungle. And they do well with a lot of bright light, but they'll tolerate low light. Uh, and a lot of these plants, uh, you know, that that are tropical plants that fit indoors, they're really shade plants from the tropics. So they need bright light to do well, to grow well, but they'll tolerate real low light. Here's the deal, though. A lot of them will tolerate low light, but they don't like low humidity, which is what our houses are all about. They used to do well before air conditioning and central heat. But a lot of them, if you put them near a heater vent or an air conditioner vent, it dries them out. So uh, what I like to do is cluster them in a little group, you know, a medium plant, a couple of small plants, kind of pushed together, almost like a mini jungle, pretty close to a window and out of a draft, and they just grow a whole lot better. And, and, and by the way, the reason I get kind of honked off about Dracaena trifasciata is for years, a mother-in-law plant, which is also called snake plant, is a Sansevera. And my favorite group of plants, I've got probably the largest collection of Sansevera in the state all different shapes and sizes, but they changed the name after all these centuries from Sansevera to Dracaena. And Dracaena is a whole different group of plants. They don't look alike. They don't grow alike, but Dracaenas are real popular plants. Sansevera's are popular plants, and they changed the name from Sansevera to Dracaena, and I've got to learn all those names all over again. Yeah, I look, I'm looking at the uh, Sansevera, and it does look like um, this, what you said, the snake plant, the mother-in-law plant. I know it's a joke in there somewhere, but we're going to stay away from it. Um, yeah. <laughs> but um, what about the uh, grow lights? Because I know Crystal, she um, brought in our plants and um, actually put some grow lights on them. And they, they they tend to do very well, but I didn't know if that was a good substitute and just putting them by the open window. Well, you know, near a window is better, but, you know, grow lights help. You know, plants, you know, plants just, they go by wavelength. As long as it's a grow light, you know, not just a plain old bare white uh, you know, light bulb, then they usually get all the light. They need. The grow light needs to be as close as possible plants because you get more than a foot or a foot and a half or two feet away from the grow light and plants can't even see it. So grow lights need to be close to the plants, but near a window is, is even better. It's just better. I've got right now, you know, I've got the, that little sunroom in, in my cabin. It is chock full of plants. You can barely move. I watered everything real good. I clustered it all together and, um, uh, I try to grow these kind of plants that don't need a lot of water because I'm gone a lot. And uh, when I get back, it's going to be a jungle. It's going to have lizards and everything in it, I know for sure. Anyway, close together, 
shared humidity, bright light as possible, and grow lights if you can. But uh, other than that, these kind of plants have been grown by folks for ever without any fancy stuff, just kind of close to a window, water it when it gets dry. Well, that sounds like sounds like the plan. Fell to give that number again. Okay, it's uh, toll free. It's one eight seven seven MPB ring. Uh, I don't know what. what That's one eight seven seven six seven two seven four six four six seven two seven four six four. Yeah. Okay. Whatever. I can't remember that stuff. You know, <laughs> right now, a, a whole lot of people are just kind of burned out because the the fall wouldn't end. You know, we still. You know, like the lady said, her pecans are just now starting to drop. Well, we've got a lot of plants that some people even have roses still right now. And it's getting time to prune roses for the for the summertime. You know, most people prune their ever-blooming roses in usually late January or February, and their once-blooming roses in the spring. But, you know, this is the time you to start planting stuff, and we're not done with last year's yet. So anyway, I feel for folks who, have, who, who are confused by the weather and their plants, but Anyway, it's, it's just gardening. It's just gardening. One thing I would encourage folks to do if you've got kids or if you don't have kids and feel like a kid, go to a garden center. And uh, right now they don't have a whole lot. They're starting to get in their roses and their fruit plants and stuff for the winter, but they don't, they're don't. they not real busy right now. See if they have any leftover paper white bulbs. Because, you know, Java, that's those little type of daffodil you put in a in a cup with some water, a little gravel or some Mardi Gras bees keep them flopping over. And they'll grow inside. They'll flower indoors within three weeks or so when you start watering them. Oh, yeah. they we You uh, gifted me some, I believe it was maybe two years ago or last year. And, um, yeah, they <laughs> they did so well right there on the kitchen window with the Mardi Gras beads. Like, it was, yeah. it was, it was amazing. Yeah. Hey, you know, something I'm working on right now, this is, uh, you know, we were talking about, about stickers and weeds and things like that in the law. There's really, you know, there, there's two approaches. One is to mow what grows and just have some clover and some dandelions and violets and henbit, all those kind of things, and they're okay. You can mow them, they'll survive, they'll still bloom, and you'll still have what looks like a lawn. And come summertime, they're gone anyway. So you can you can have a winter and spring meadow kind of low-growing and then mow it and just have a regular lawn. They don't compete with each other. Uh, but some people want to grow wildflowers and they 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 i used to call it a meadow lawn when you had flowers in your lawn but a meadow is really the knee high the the taller wildflowers so i've come up with a new term I'm, i'm working on this right now it's not a meadow lawn which you have to walk around and mow around it's what i call a flower lawn the kind of flowers that grow really really low you can even mow them and they still bloom uh so i'm looking for plants that stay low, that you could, that that you still have what looks like a lawn, uh, but it's got flowers scattered in it. And so uh, I just, I, I actually am coming up with a a little yard sign you could put in your yard to let people know you don't have a weedy lawn. You're actually doing this on purpose. So we're trying to develop a little flower lawn logo, a flower lawn thing that you could put out there to say, yeah, this is a pollinator crossing. We're doing this for the butterflies and bees. And it's okay. We're not being slobs here. Anyway, enough of this. Let's go up to Greenwood to the Delta and see what Deborah's up to. Hey, Deborah, thank you for calling. I'm sorry, Felda. It's Deborah. Deborah in Greenwood. Deborah. Hey, Deborah. Good morning. How are you? Fine, thanks. I'm calling about the the pecan trees. And I have uh, two pecan trees. 
and I don't, I'm not really from Mississippi, but when do they fertilize those pecan trees? Because my one tree in the back, it's an older tree. The pecans are very small. And then there's a younger tree that's in the front yard, and the pecans are larger. But one year, I fertilized the, the front pecans, but I didn't fertilize the backyard pecans. So I want to know, when's the best time to fertilize a pecan tree? Well, it's, it's a real good question, Deborah. Um, and a lot of, if, if you were to go online and ask about it, most of the, the, the references to, to fertilizing them are for commercial growers, and they fertilize lightly every year. But the truth is, the bottom line is, if you'll just treat them like regular trees, if you'll fertilize your grass every year or two or three, that's more than enough fertilizer of the pecan, too, because the trees have got roots way out from the trunk, sometimes twice as far from the trunk as the tree is tall. So if you've got grass out there, if you'll just fertilize your lawn at least every three years or so, sometime in April or May, no earlier than April, if you'll just put some lawn fertilizer out every three years or so, that's usually enough for the lawn because it recycles the clippings when you mow, and it's plenty for the tree, too, because the fertilizer seeps on down through the grass roots and the trees will get it. So research has shown if you fertilize them every three years or so, that's plenty. And so if you've got grass, just fertilize your grass sometime in the spring and that's, then don't worry about the trees. That's plenty for them too. Well, well, the, the pecan tree that's in the front, it has no grass. It has no grass even now. Well, if you, then if, then what I would do is I would get any kind of a, a lawn fertilizer, any kind of fertilizer, and scatter it around the ground. Again, not up against the trunk, but if you were to stick your arms straight out, wiggle your fingers, that's where you the, the, that's where you fertilize out under the the branches and beyond. So if you just want to scatter some fertilizer way out from the from the tree, uh, you know, out away from the trunk, sometime in March or April or May then that's plenty. Okay. And uh, it almost doesn't matter which one you use as long as the numbers are close to the same on the bag. Okay. Thanks so much. Oh, let me me mention one other thing. The reason the ones in the backyard have got small pecans and the one in the front big because there's a lot of different varieties, just like there's cherry tomatoes and big slicing tomatoes and candy tomatoes. There's different sized pecans, and the little small ones, uh, a lot of times they're the wild seedling ones. They're small, but they're real rich. They have a real rich flavor to them. They're hard to crack. Um, so people like the great big ones with the thin paper shells, but those little ones can be really extra flavorful, even though they're hard to crack. And that's a, it's not a fertilizer thing. It's a variety of trees that determines what size they're going to be. So anyway, I hope oh, that okay. helps out, Deborah. All right. All right, Felder, we're up on this uh, this this Mia break. We got to play to your cheesy tune, but we do have Hibbit, Hugh, and John on the line holding. So we can come back real quick and get to uh, get to these phone calls. Okay, you three guys, hang on because we're gonna take a little, just a little uh, less than two minute break for some some uh, a little lighthearted music, sort of scratch things up a little bit. I'm horticulturist Felder Rushing, and. Uh, I've learned a lot over the years. I've learned a lot. I've shared a lot. But I've also said things that weren't quite complete. And I really encourage people who have a different point of view to call up. I'm going to try to learn. So 
I'm not an expert who knows it all is what I'm saying. And some stuff, some stuff I wish I didn't know because it's not any fun. Anyway, stick with us, folks. We'll be back with Mississippi Public Broadcasting after a little bit of lighthearted music and take your phone calls about gardening right after this. Happiness, happiness, the greatest gift that I possess. I thank the Lord that I've been blessed with more than my share of happiness. To me, this world is a wonderful place. I'm the luckiest human in the human race. I've got no silver and I've got no gold, but I've got happiness in my soul. Happiness to me is an ocean tide, a sunset fading on a mountainside. Oh, happiness, happiness, the greatest gift that I possess. I thank the Lord that I've been blessed with more than my share of happiness. Happiness is a field of grain Turning its face to the falling rain I see it in the sunshine, breathe it in the air Happiness, happiness everywhere A wise old man told me one time Happiness is a frame of mind When you go to measuring a man's success Don't count money, count happiness Oh, happiness, happiness Okie dokie, folks. Welcome back. Portfolio says, Fell to Rushing. Hope you liked it. A little happiness song. Um, and if you want to give us a call, it's toll free 1 877 MPB ring. Let's slide down to Jackson and talk with Hibbit. Good morning, Hibbit. How are you, sir? Hey, Felder. Great to hear from you. Love your What's show. Um, two quick questions. One, I followed your advice, and I've got a lot of green tomatoes that I pick right before the big frost, will they turn uh, uh, or, or will they stay green and or, or what? Well, it's a good question. Here's, here's the deal. When you pick a tomato, as a matter of fact, a lot that you buy in grocery stores were picked when they were green and shipped. Uh, when you pick a tomato that's beginning to show a little color, what they call uh, the pink stage, when it just bears, begins to show colors, if you pick it, it doesn't get any riper. It doesn't get any more sugars. doesn't get any more flavor. It basically slowly starts to decay, and in the process, it gets softer and redder. So they don't ripen once you pull them off the vine. That's as sweet as they'll ever get. But, they, but if they progress far enough, then they can go ahead and start turning red and getting softer, and they taste like store-bought tomatoes instead of homegrown tomatoes. But if, if they were picked before that pink stage – they're not going to do much. They're, they're, you need to start uh, slicing them up and frying them or else chopping them up and put them in your hush puppy mix or something like that because they're not going to red up uh, unless they reach that stage already. Okay, good. I appreciate that. I uh, have a number of broccoli plants, and they've done really, really great up until the point that when they got to be about the size of my fist, there started to be little brown specks, and now they taste horrible. Uh, what's happened? Yeah, you you said broccoli, right? Broccoli. Yeah. Uh, here here's the on broccoli. A lot of people think that broccoli will take cold weather. It likes cool weather. Broccoli, ca- uh, cabbage, things like that. Uh, collards will take cold weather, but broccoli really does best if you plant it early enough in the fall to 
to harvest before it gets really cold or late enough in the winter so the young plants won't freeze, but they'll make before it gets too hot. They like that cool weather, not really hot and not really cold. Cold weather will stop them from developing, um, if it, especially if it gets down to freezing, and then they slowly start to decay. Keep in mind that the broccoli is what we eat is really flower buds. And they reach a certain stage. If they can't develop anymore, they just start to, to fade. So go ahead, and they can get a little bitter tasting. So um, and go ahead and cut them. Once you've had a, a, a not just a frost, but a freeze on them, they're probably not going to pick back up, and they're just going to start to – their flower buds are starting to decay. Yeah, that's what happened. Well, yeah. appreciate you. It, Thank you. You bet. Well, here, here, but let me throw this out again to other people listening. There are a lot of varieties of broccoli – that are grown commercially that they make one big head you cut it off and that's it there's a lot of varieties that when you cut that head off they'll make smaller side shoots that are sometimes equal one big head so you know i wouldn't pull them up go ahead and cut them off and if it if it doesn't get too cold those if they're the right variety they may go ahead and make a a, a, a smaller uh second crop with side shoots hit it with a little fertilizer and let's see what happens Oh, good advice. Thanks, Felder. Okay, Hibbit, good to hear from you. Okay, now let's slide down to Crystal Springs. Hey, John, what's going on this morning? Hey, hey good morning. I got a question about some plum trees. They, uh, this February, they'll be four years old. I took, I got them from sprouts off of uh, some more trees, and they're probably eight to ten foot tall. I've never pruned them, and I went to Hutto's and got special plum tree fertilizer they're real healthy but they have not produced any fruit and i don't know what i need to do to jump start them to maybe produce fruit this year well it's it's a good question um but here, here's the deal uh, young fruit trees whether it's plums or peaches or apples or pears sometimes they may take four five or six years to reach fruiting maturity they go through a juvenile phase just like people do so it may take a while uh, meanwhile you can help it a lot you can invigorate it by first of all keeping the lawnmower off the trunk of them. a little bit of fertilizer in the spring is all they need but they really need pruning if you can limit the amount of top growth the energy that would have gone to what you cut off will go to what's left so they're getting so tall you may want to cut the center stem out and just leave three or four or five sort of like side branches that would be the the main limbs of the trees from then on but cut the middle part out leave three or four or five side branches and then cut those back about halfway if you've got any twigs left on them leave those because they may actually bloom this year you you, you, we we never know for sure when they're going to reach that age three four five six years or so so cut the tall stuff out leave some twigs unpruned let's see what they do this spring Okay. Well, I sure appreciate the advice, Mr. Rush. Thank you so All much. All right. Thank you, sir. Appreciate Now let's slide back up to Jackson. Q, what's up in what, – what, what's going on in your yard? Well, I've got a couple of questions I'd like to ask you. One about uh, a Madison yard and one about a fig tree in the Delta. Uh, okay. You guys just do a great job. Appreciate your program, man. Thanks, uh, thanks for being part of it. Yeah. Uh just really do appreciate it. Listen, I uh, got a uh, house in Madison, uh, west-facing wall that uh, is pretty damp. And uh, when they when they built the house, it's you know coming down the hill, uh, and so they've graded the lots off. And just wondered what kind of shrubbery that doesn't get too big might 
might do well there? Uh, that's a good question. There's a lot of a lot of things coming into play. First of all, if you're in Madison and it's up close to the house, there's going to be some pretty miserable dirt, probably heavy clay, and that's a challenge for a lot of plants. Uh, the hot west-facing wall, that's a challenge for some plants, and staying wet part of the year and dry part of the year. See, those are three different challenges. And then throw on something that doesn't get too big, then you really narrow your choices down. First thing I would uh, suggest is see if you can can dig – a little ditch, almost like a border edging ditch, uh, between the, fl- the the lawn and the flower bed, so that any water seeping down from the hill is going to go around away from the plant. And also, when you plant, dig down a good shovel's depth, and then add stuff to that dirt so it's sunk at least a, a, a foot or so, but raised up a little. In other words, plant the things a little bit on the high side. And that way, they'll get they'll they'll surf, they'll, they'll get through the dry spells with deep roots. But the wet spells because it raised a little bit. Um, you okay. can also go. You can also go out from the house. You know, we had this idea from looking around, this 1930s style, where you put stuff up against the house. You don't have to. You can come out four, five, six feet out from the house, get better dirt, and from the street it looks the same, and you get in a better dirt. Uh, you may want to come out from the house a good bit and plant a small group, maybe two or three small trees out from the house and put something low going under it not have anything up against the house nobody's going to notice um so don't feel like you have to hug that foundation is what i'm saying um anyway as far as things will stay stay low a couple of favorites of mine uh they're kind of boring to a lot of horticultures because they're so commonly they they use commonly because they grow well one is a dwarf yopon holly y-a-u-p-o-n Real common, this sort of generic box boxwood shape, and then the other, any of the super dwarf type of nandinas, they'll have names like harbor dwarf. There's one that's called compacta. They'll get about four feet high, so it would do good in between windows. But the one that's compacta, harbor dwarf, only gets about two or two and a half, maybe three feet tall at the most, and it'll take any kind of dirt, any kind of water, any kind of heat or even shade. So between the compactor or the Harbordorf Mandina dwarf yopas, you've got some good generic plants you can put out there that'll get you by, and then you start adding other stuff that you feel like it. Okay, that's that's great. So let me ask you a couple of Delta questions, okay? And you I'm know, I'm Indian old man. Yeah. Yeah, I, I, I flunked out of I flunked out of Moorhead. That's how Delta I am. Well, you and I share some junior college experience. Okay. okay. Uh, what about the figs? We, all right. I, I planted a fig tree about 15 years ago, and I can't seem to prune it enough. And then it's got, I don't know if you call them suckers or not, running out from the roots. Yeah. I got trees out there like crazy. Uh, yeah. And if I could keep the raccoons out of them, I'd get some figs. But I'd <laughs> love to get uh, know what to do with it. Okay, here's the thing. And keep in mind, my children who are grown now, have helped make pig preserves from figs they picked from their great-great-grandmother's fig tree that's still producing. So they'll live for a long time, but they but they make trees. What commercial growers do, and what I do, is the tall parts, go ahead and cut those down close to the ground, and then the suckers are coming up, cut some of them back to about knee-high and make them branch out close to the ground, and then cut those branches back about halfway, and they'll, in other words, the more you cut them, the more they bush out. So if you'll cut the tall stuff you can't pick out, and then some of the other stuff, cut it way back when it sprouts out. 
let that new growth get two or three feet long, snip the tips off of those, you'll make them nice little bushes that'll be easy, and they produce on new growth. So uh, what I would do is cut the tall stuff out this winter before the, the yellow jackets get in there and uh, not prune anything else. And as soon as you get some figs off of them in the summer, go ahead and cut them back. They still have time to put out growth before fall. So hard pruning of the tall stuff in the winter and light pruning on stuff middle of the summer. All right, so let me see if I've got that. The the big big parts of the tree, whether or not they're the suckers, the original tree, cut them back to what? I've been cutting them back to about four feet. You uh, cut them back to the to the ground; they'll sit sprout back out. So you know, just you know, okay. It's just it's like it's like plucking eyebrows. Cut out the tall stuff and leave some of the other stuff. And when you pick off a bit, cut the yeah. other stuff back a little bit. Rather rather right. making a okay. recipe, just make more of a concept than a recipe. Uh, and those those pieces that come out will be five or six feet tall. So by cutting it that much, that'll work. Then, then uh, if you've got just one more second, I want to ask you one more Delta question. Sure. Uh, she uh, got a south-facing, uh, heavy sun, of course, place I need to plant some shrubs to, to cover up the front of my porch, you know, the exposed post and stuff. It's on a pretty good slope. Yeah, and pretty good down the dirt there too. Yeah, yeah. Uh, again, you know, how, about how tall do you want these plants to get eventually? Not, not over, not over about four feet or so. Okay, well you you, Maybe five. you can hard you can hardly go wrong. It's an old fashioned plant uh, can hardly go wrong. Again, with the the Nandina called compacta. Compacta gets about four feet tall. Fills out. It looks good all year all year and it has those red beers in the wintertime but again that's just sort of you know you can put those by each post and then put something else in between like just striped monkey grass or some more compact anandinas uh, i mean uh 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 dwarf yopons see if you can find somebody um there in the jackson area that sells um old-fashioned native palmetto trees and put your palmetto plant out there you know they're hardcore native delta plants good good native right. delta plants and again, don't feel like you have to hug stuff up against the foundation. That's just a style. You you can come way out from the trunk and plant a regular tree yopon. You know, they make small trees. You know, you can put some trees out from the house a little bit, some monkey grass under that, and don't have anything up against the porch. You don't have to worry about roaches when you're sitting out there in the evening. And you said that's a regular yopon. Is that what you said? Yeah, the regular reg, native yopon is a small evergreen tree. It's really nice. In other words, you anything, but I wouldn't plant a crepe myrtle right now because we're having so much trouble with this new crepe myrtle insect. It's a terrible right. insect. But uh, almost any kind of small tree, a Japanese maple, uh, you know, you could put almost any kind of uh, Sasanqua camellia that blooms in the fall. Right. Any kind of small tree out right. there, out from the trunk a little bit, so you can sit back behind it and look out over it. Yep, yep. Well, do you have uh, suggestions about local uh, garden centers that might carry the, the native stuff? Uh, well, no, y- Yopon is, I mean, it's, it's not just like dogwoods and magnolias. You know, even though they're native, they don't sell them as native plants. They're just good plants. A lot of good right. plants happen to be native. Uh, but, you know, there's, there's some good ones in, in the Jackson area. I don't want to really say it on the radio. Okay. But, I, got, uh, shoot, I understand shoot, that. Shoot, I understand. Shoot me. I mean, I used to work at Pearson's Nursery there in Indianola, so, you know, we used to have all sorts of stuff there. But anyway, uh, shoot me an email. We'll, we'll come up with something. 
Okay, thank you so much. I really appreciate you guys. You're so insightful right. about so many things. Appreciate it, Hugh. Thanks, man. Right. It's hard to die. It's, it's hard to come up with recommendations. You know, there's whole. I've written whole books on plants. But I tell you what, folks, if you'd like a list of really good, dependable, sturdy plants, native plants, or just plants in general that do really well, I've come up with a, a little brochure. It's free. It's a PDF. I can email it. Shoot me an email at my, my blog site, not the website, but felderrushing.blog. You can email me there. I'll send you a, a, a free list of great native landscape plants and also just great low-maintenance southern plants. I've, I've got put those together, and I send them out for free because that's just what I do. Yeah, FelderRussian.blog. I bet you it's uh, hard to wither down the, um, you know, the particular recommendation that you want to give because, like you yeah. said, it's so many different plants and different kind of directions you can go. It's like plants are almost like songs. Somebody say, play me some play me some music. Well, what type of music? It's like, well, well, you know, do you want to be sad? Do you want to be happy? Like, do you want your plants to grow tall? Do you want them to stay short? It's, you know, it's like what so many different varieties. Yeah, let's let's go get something to eat. Where, where you want to go? Oh, I don't care. Well, no, that doesn't work. You need to tell me what kind of food you want or what kind of – same thing with plants. And some of my favorite plants, I like them because they're dependable, but they're boring to a lot of people. I'm sorry, but they work. And, and you know, I've literally written the book, and I grow boring plants because they work. The trick is take two or three or four different kinds of boring plants, put them all together, and it becomes an exciting combination. Now, what's, yeah, because what's the, what's your formula? Is it uh, something yeah. s- something round, something sticky? Uh, what what is it, Felder? Spiky, roundy, frilly. Spiky, roundy, frilly. There it is. There it is. <laughs> you know, and yopon hollies are roundy. Uh, Nandinas are frilly. You know, put you a little, you know, put you a scarecrow out there as a spiky thing, or 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 or, or, a, or a little small tree or something, but something upright and spiky, something kind of roundy, something frilly. You can't go wrong with that recipe. And uh, you don't even have to have plants. You know, you can do the roundy with a big old rock. Just saying. Or if you got a really round uh, garden gnome. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, or a gnome with a spiky hat or a bird bath. You know, a lot of people forget that, that uh, little accents, hard features like bird baths and rocks and benches and urns and, and uh, bottle trees, you know, all those things, they work. They work, and the finest gardens use them. It's not just every good garden, every good garden, no matter what size or scale or style, has got some kind of little art feature, every one of them. Yeah, now we've talked about this on uh, Fixing 101 where, you know, you're planning out your fixes for your for your house and your home, some type of maintenance items that you might want to get through, you know, in the next couple months uh, throughout the year. I guess now, without being able to kind of dig in the dirt, be a good time to plan your garden. Maybe instead of going to the uh, uh, big box store or your garden center looking for, you know, different bulbs, you can go and find those accent pieces now. Yeah. And, you know, actually, this is a good time of year. You know, winter and, and the late winter are the best times to plant stuff because the plants get established before summertime. 
Problem is, it's too cold and wet to dig. So anytime you get a chance to dig a hole, go ahead and dig it and cover it up with some leaves or bark, and it'll be ready to plant later. By the way, Java, I was I, I was talking about spiky, roundy, frilly one time in a lecture, and I used my fingers. You know, I, I did some fingers straight up, you know, like the Boy Scout thing. You know, you put your fingers straight up for spiky, and then I made a fist for roundy, and then I wiggle my fingers like frilly. And I, it occurred to me by doing the fingers, you know, like that and the fist and the weekly thing, I might have been saying something nasty in sign language. <laughs> well, they would have, some, trust me, trust me, the uh, ASL would have come and, um, and, 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 you know, tapped you on the wrist if you were talking dirty. <laughs> well, I, I, I hope not. But anyway, spiky, roundy, frilly. Some people call it uh, thriller, filler, and spiller. You know, you put a thrilling plant in a pot, you put something filling in between and something spill over the side. So whether it's, say, thriller, filler, spiller, spiky, roundy, frilly, or in floral design, line, mass, and filler. Well, let's go with our last call for the hour, um, uh, Felder. We have uh, TJ in Kosciuszko who's been holding. Oh, hey, TJ, what's going on? Yeah, it's funny you were talking about spiky because that's why I called. Uh-oh. I want to I wanted to do a request for a cheesy tune by Spike Jones. Oh, he he did some crazy stuff there. Yeah, I just just a request and growing up in the Delta, we had a pecan orchard on a cotton farm and I heard three ways to say pecan. <laughs> and our 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 Yankee cousins call him pecan. Yeah. And we call him pecan and there was some yep. people down the road calling him pecanut. Fucking nuts, yeah, just pecan, pecan. Yeah, well, yeah, yeah. imagine what's like to be over in England, because I say tomato, and they say tomato. tomato. And I say oregano, they go oregano. And don't even think about asking for ketchup. It's tomato sauce. Or potato and <laughs> potato. That's that's right. All right, so we're ready for you to come on home. I am, too. My, my garden will be ready for me, too. But luckily, I plan my garden where it sort of takes care of itself. You know, I choose yeah. plants to grow out old home sites, small towns, cemetery. If dead people can grow them, I'm going to put them in my yard. The trick is, you and, and I found there are lots of plants that don't need all that horticultural fuss. Yeah. I like to, I got a kick out of the lady from Indianola that said pecan, and she said, I'm not from Mississippi. And I went, what an honest person. <laughs> Sweet. <laughs> Listen, I pre- oh, let me ask you this before we go. Uh, you're originally from Kosciuszko, right? No, I'm from Winterville, Mississippi. Well, did you, see, did you ever see L.V. Hole's Shoe Garden? Up here in Kosciuszko? Yep. Yeah, okay. yeah. Yeah, my, one of my cousins is in the garden uh, club. and Yeah. Oh, they're, they're, those Her- women are hilarious. Yeah, well, let's don't talk about that because you're talking about mama and them. Anyway, we got a scoop, man. Thanks for your call, guys. Horticulture's fellow Russian job. I got me a picture with a little miniature gnome I carried around with me, a little small ceramic gnome. I got a couple of pictures to send you uh, to post with our podcast today. So, anyway, folks, if you get a chance, I know garden centers are kind of, they don't have a lot going. They're getting their plants in right now. But this is the time where they like to talk to you. So go in. See what they got going. Take a kid with you. You can find a sack of seeds or some bulbs or something. But take a kid to a garden center on one of these cool weekends here in the wintertime and help them pick out something to put in a pot. Show them how to do what we do best, and that's get dirty. 
see y'all next week.